Hello, and welcome to the third podcast in our Essential Foreign Investment series. In this series, we look at developments in foreign investment review, one of the fastest changing areas of global regulation, and a major challenge for any business looking to grow across borders. My name's Alastair Mordant, and today we'll be focusing on the world's two largest economic powerhouses, the US and China, and providing views and insights on the latest foreign investment developments in each. And for this discussion, I'm delighted to be joined by two experts in their field. The first is Hazel Yin, a partner in our Beijing office and co-head of our China competition practice. Hazel's practice includes advising clients on a broad range of competition-related issues in China, and she has particular experience in advising on China's national security review regime. Welcome, Hazel. Hi, Alistair. Nice to be here. And second, we have Ayman Mir, a partner in our Washington, D.C. office a US and global national security review expert. He joined the firm in 2019 after serving in several leadership roles in the Interagency Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, or CFIUS, as it's more commonly known. And he also served in the US Department of the Treasury. Thanks for joining, Ayman. Good to be with you, Alistair, and with Hazel. So look, let's kick things straight off. As we approach the end of the year, I think it's interesting to take stock on foreign investment screening activity levels generally across the globe. How are you both seeing things? It seems certainly like there's been an, an uptick. I mean, here in the US, it's actually interesting because after the last major uh, legislation, FIRMA, in 2018, there was an expectation that there actually be a significant or substantial uptick in the number of transactions that were reviewed by the committee, but it turned out not to be as dramatic as people had expected. But this year, it seems to have uh, actually picked up quite a bit. And we're expecting at this point that we'll probably be 40 to 50% above where we were last year in terms of no, total number of transactions reviewed by CFIUS. So and that's probably partially a function of just overall increased M&A activity, but also likely increased CFIUS staffing and therefore increased CFIUS scrutiny. Interestingly, the European Commission recently released its first annual report on the FDI screening regulation. And, and I guess as an illustration of how quickly these types of regimes have proliferated. The report indicated that whereas in 2017, only 11 of the member states had foreign investment review regimes, now 24 out of 27 members either have them in place or have proposed legislation. And that in the past year, the first year covered by the report, there were about 1,700 cases that were submitted to authorities uh, across the member states. Apparently about 80% of them did not actually require formal review. But of those that did require review, about 2% were blocked, 12% were approved with conditions, which is uh, actually, interestingly, pretty close to the proportion that you've seen in the United States with CFIUS for the past few years. So clearly an, an uptick and a very busy time in Europe with I think just under 300 cases that were, went to the coordination mechanism for the EU as well. And as you know, the UK's law is about to come online on January 4th and probably a busy year in the UK coming up as well. Yeah, on the China side, I think the trend will be pretty much the same as what Eamon uh, has mentioned just now for the US and also the EU. Last year, uh, we are also seeing an uptick in the number of uh, cases that are submitted to the Chinese regulator NDRC, either voluntarily by the companies themselves or in response to uh, the authorities' request to file. Although due to the lack of official data, 
we are not able to give a precise number of the cases submitted to the authority. And also, apart from that, there are two very interesting trends we're seeing in terms of the enforcement of the National Security Review regime in China. One recent trend is that transactions nowadays are called in by the authority for review, uh, sometimes even post-closing, when the transaction is going through some other regulatory filing processes in China. And uh, the other regulators, very often the local authorities, they would request the parties to file the transaction for national security review before they are willing to give their blessing to the the transaction. A second observation uh, or trend we are seeing right now more generally is that although this is not explicitly mentioned in the Chinese laws, the national security review regime nowadays may also consider the company or the target's access to collection as well as the processing of important data concerning national security or public interest or, you know, the large amounts of personal information uh, as a risk factor. I think this trend is uh, generally in line with the trend we're seeing overseas with the other regulators. And also it is allied with the uh, broader regulatory atmosphere in China where data security, cybersecurity, things like that have become one of the priorities for both the legislators and also uh, the enforcers. My my impression is that the... If you look at the numbers, and I appreciate, Hazel, you say that case numbers are hard to gauge in in China because they're not published. But just my impression is that the number of reviews, if if you compare it between, so US, China, EU and China, that we're, we're probably talking about smaller numbers, particularly relative to GDP or some other sort of benchmark measure. And I wondered whether you would agree that it feels as though, yes, there's an uptick in in, in scrutiny But nevertheless, in terms of direction of travel, on the one hand, you've got the US tightening its control over foreign investment. But on the other hand, if anything, China is continuing to open up. In other words, its direction of travel is pretty much 180 degrees opposite. Do you agree with that proposition, the two of you? I would agree with your observation that the US has tightened its control over foreign investment in general and with respect to China in particular. The threshold for CFIUS to be able to review a transaction is national security concern. And this is the case for a number of other countries in Europe as well, for example, where you know public security is a threshold. And one of the changes that we've seen in the past few years is that the notion of what constitutes national security or public security has expanded in some cases to include notions of economic interests or economic security that previously were seen as uh, perhaps in many instances, beyond the scope of uh, of these laws. So that certainly had a significant impact. And then you add on top of that the experience of the pandemic over the past couple of years, where governments have been increasingly sensitive and focused on vulnerability of supply chains and have found foreign investment review regimes or tools to be an additional tool to address those types of concerns. And then with respect to China, you add on top of that a fairly deep-seated skepticism within the U.S. government, for sure, 
uh, over whether the Chinese government may seek to exploit Chinese investment in the United States. And uh, you have, as a result, an environment for Chinese investment in the United States that is more challenging now than ever before. So tightening up in the US, what about China, Hazel? Did you agree with my characterization of the position in, in China being somewhat different? So, yes, you are absolutely right, Alistair. Actually, in China, we have two different regimes that can potentially capturing uh, foreign investment. Just now, I have already talked about the National Security Review regime. But don't forget that China also has been maintaining so-called negative list, where foreign investment in uh, certain sectors nowadays is still prohibited or restricted. But indeed, we are seeing more industries being removed from this uh, negative list and thus become uh, open to foreign investment. One particular area that is worth mentioning is the uh, finance sector, where foreign investors are nowadays allowed to have a majority stake in its joint ventures with Chinese partners or even set up a, a wholly owned company. That is why we're seeing that an increasing number of our clients trying to take advantage of this relaxed regime and start to set up new joint ventures or buying out their Chinese partners so that they can have a, a fully controlled subsidiary in China. National Security Review does not seem to be a major obstacle or blocking obstacle for these companies when they are trying to expand their presence in China. Okay, fair enough. So I suppose it's a question of obviously not just looking at activity levels in terms of screening, but also, as you say, Hazel, you need to look around and see what other laws are, are biting. And clearly, I guess the US and China are starting from, from different positions in terms of welcoming foreign investment. That's a good point, Al. It certainly is the case that historically the U.S. has had a fairly broadly applied open investment policy. And for, for many years, that was extended to China as well. And it wasn't until about 2015 or 2016 when we really saw a shift in that policy, mostly in, as a result of U.S. government concerns over Chinese technology acquisition policy and the role of foreign investment in, uh, in technology acquisition. I guess another point that I would make is that in addition to the U.S. starting from a different place in terms of openness to foreign investment, the U.S. also is less nimble in creating new tools that can be sort of generally applied. So, for example, whereas in the U.S. there isn't any broadly applicable data protection law, the government looks to CFIUS as a tool to address that type of a concern where it can. And that clearly has an impact on, on foreign investment. On the other hand, if you look at the recently effective laws in China related to data protection and personal information protection, while those aren't per se foreign investment controls, they are having an effect on how U.S. companies view the ease of doing business and risks of investing in China. So as you say, you really have to take a step back and look at the full set of government tools that are brought to bear to understand the full picture. So I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal balls. What about predictions for 2022? How do you see things developing in, in each of your jurisdictions? Maybe I'll, I'll ask you first, Hazel. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so if we're looking at the trend in the next year for China, 
I think the two different directions of travel, as I mentioned just now, will remain. On the one hand, China will continue to open up its economy to foreign investment to attract more foreign investment, in particular in those areas where I identified as、uh, you know strategic for the Chinese economy de- economic development. Such as those high tech industries or those industries that are ecologically more friendly. On the other hand, China will continue to utilize the national security review regime to try to keep a closer eye on those transactions involving targets that are likely in a more sensitive sector. Or likely to have, you know, more sensitive status in the whole Chinese economy, no matter whether it's in terms of in order to ensure supply chain stability, or in order to ensure that、uh, you know sensitive data or personal data will be stored and kept within China. So I think, from our client's perspective, it will become increasingly important. For them to have a detailed national security review sensitivity analysis in order to make an informed decision as to whether their transaction should have been filed or whether they should take a more kind of reactive approach if the、uh, risk is not really high, because if we're looking at the Chinese national security review process itself, it can take very long. Ranging from、uh, a couple of months to half a year or even longer, sometimes without sufficient certainty as to you know when the clearance can be granted. So this will definitely become a very important factor to be considered during the deal planning process. I think there is every reason to believe that in the United States and likely in in Europe and in other countries as well that next year's level of activity will be very similar to this year's in the. Foreign investment review space, and that's partially because you know, the concerns that are driving foreign investment review globally are likely to persist, if not deepen. And the measures are politically popular, so there's really not a whole lot that's pushing back on sort of the current trend. The one thing that could affect calculations in that regard are investment levels drop because of these reviews. But I really haven't seen very many deals at all. Where the decision to proceed is driven by foreign investment review concerns, it's clearly become an important deal consideration, both because in many instances filings are now mandated by law with penalties if you don't file, because it has an impact on deal timelines and that needs to be factored in, and because you have to consider the possibility. Uh, that the transaction, whether or not the transaction is one of the very few that could raise material national security considerations, but overall, I wouldn't expect the trend lines to change for next year. Well, I'm sure there's plenty more we could discuss, but I think this is a good point to draw our discussion to a close. Many thanks to Hazel and Iman for what's been a really informative discussion. Thanks also to our listeners. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and if you're interested in finding out more about these issues. You can read the newly launched edition three of our foreign investment monitor, which you'll find on our website at freshfields.com. We look forward to you joining us for more discussions on the topic of foreign investment review in the new year. And in the meantime, on behalf of the Freshfields team, best wishes for the festive season.